Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a new theme Thursday, and our new theme is about National Bird Day. So all of our songs have been related to birds, have some form of fashion of a birds. This is Free Birds right here, right? This is, yeah, Leonard Skinner with Leonard Free Skinner. Bird. And then here, this is the thing that I, I every time I hear that song, I'm, I used to be a huge wrestling fan. Yeah, yeah. So I loved when the Free Birds would walk in. Fabulous with, Free Birds? Yeah. What is it? Buddy, Buddy Rogers. Uh, was it Buddy Rogers? I know uh, his no. name was Buddy, but it was Terry Gordy and Michael, Michael P.S. Hayes. Hayes. But the other guy's name was Buddy. I couldn't remember what it was. He was yeah. the little one. Oh. There was a uh, God. Barry Wyndham was part of them for a little bit no, too. Uh, ba- Jerry Garvin was a part of them for a little bit. Garvin, that's who I'm thinking of. But I, I'm definitely thinking of the Buddy. There's guy. a Buddy yet. I can't. Buddy think Roberts. Buddy Roberts. Buddy That's Rogers. It. Rogers. Right? Roberts. 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 Uh, yeah, one of them. I know Chad uh, is probably listening. I know, and I should he'll, know this because yeah, I can picture it, it too. I know exactly who oh, he is. I'm sure he'll text us terrible. in a second. Well, that's great stuff right there. But let me tell you what else is great. We're going to give you a DeMar Hamlin update. And there's been so much positivity that has been coming from this, whether it was, yeah, Buddy Jack Roberts. Thank you. Um, there's been so much positivity for this whole situation, what's been happening with DeMar Hamlin. So just just to give you a, an update, he was awake and he was using a breathing tube. The book, the Bills staff has done an did an unbelievable job of actually saving him on the sideline. Bills assistant athletic uh, athletic trainer Denny Kellington was the one who started CPR and ultimately saved his life. And then you look at what the staff at the at the uh, hospital uh, was able to do. He's been communicating through writing, and he actually asked who won the game, which is kind of entertaining because that means that he still has his wits about him, which it scares you every time you you hear about somebody needing CPR, whether the organs and the brain has got enough oxygen. Obviously, he's in a good place. He's not out of the woods yet. He's still in ICU, but the fact that he's able to hold people's hands and be able to communicate through writing with the family, think about that. Neurologically, he's yeah. able to communicate by writing. No, that's that was a big concern from the beer. It was like, all right, we think he's gonna survive. Like his organs will survive, but did his brain survive? And will he have the response and be right. able to, you know, be able to recover that way? So that's great to see. I know that Josh Allen said today when they told him that story about uh, asking who won, he was like, that makes sense that he would ask 
He's like, he's not worried about himself. He's right. worried about his teammates putting already. Himself, he laid in the hospital bed like, my teammates okay? Exactly. <laughs> putting putting others before himself while he's the one laying on a, on, yeah. a, on a hospital bed trying to regain his life back. I mean, it's a long road, and we're going to hear in just a second. But I want to talk about uh, Ian Rappaport. He was able to come up with some information and kind of lead us into where we are now with the latest update prior to us listening to the physicians as well. Really some remarkable updates and I would say overwhelming positivity talking to people, talk talk to people close to DeMar Hamlin. And there's several things that stand out to me. Uh, First of all, as you mentioned, he opened his eyes last night. Uh, which had to be just really an incredible moment uh, considering that all that he has been through, that all that the family has been through, all the people close to him have been through. Just he, uh, hearing and seeing him open his eyes, amazing. Uh, he has been responsive, which is also extremely positive, neurologically intact is how the bills refer to him. And he also has been gripping the hands of those close to him in the hospital, a sign for them that he acknowledges them, recognizes that they are there uh, and are meaningful to him. Put that all together, and it's, it's really hard to imagine, Andrew, coming out with, with better news than, than this. Uh, the other thing that stands out to me is they are endlessly appreciative of all of the incredible medical help that they got on the field, uh, the, uh, how, basically just how fast it was, the immediacy of CPR for nine minutes, uh, the care at the hospital. It has all essentially saved DeMar Hamlin's life. And for him to be where he is now is just truly amazing. It is truly amazing. And you know what else is amazing is the efforts of the doctors at uh, UC Health, you know, University of Cincinnati, not Cincinnati. Yeah, University of Cincinnati Medical Center and how they were prepared for this. It's a level one trauma center. And uh, story came out earlier today that a lot of the doctors that were rounding in the hospital were actually watching the game and then for all this to happen and them to to jump into action by the time he got there is unbelievable effort by them. Dr. Pritz and Dr. Knight uh, are the leaders that are in charge of the entire team that is taking care of DeMar Hamlin. And these guys were interviewed today and they had some really interesting uh, thoughts about what happened. You know, when he was communicating with us uh, last night and then again today, that's been in writing. And, uh, you know, to paraphrase uh, one of our partners, you know, when when he asked, did we win? The answer is yes. You know, Damari, you won. You've won the game of life. Uh, And that's probably the most important thing out of this. And we really need to keep him at the center uh, of everything else that's going on. And we really want to ensure a good outcome for him. And that's the amazing part about it, too, man. You start thinking about how – they were reacted, and the fact that he was like, did we win? And he's like, yeah, you won the game of life. And that's the true perspective of it all. It's like that is why this is so critical because there's so many theories that are out there, and I've seen them all, and everybody's got their own opinion of it. But not one time did those doctors seem to be worried about it. They got excited uh, not excited in the fact that they got to work on them, but they had to go in there and work and do what they were trained to do to be able to save this man's life and for him to continue to fight, continue to be able to to fight through this entire thing. Because I don't know about any of you guys, but being in a hospital is never fun. 
especially when you've been sedated for as long as he possibly have. And this is where we need to be thankful. His foundation has gotten over – I think it's up to $6 million now. Yeah, that's, that's what's crazy is they have to tell him so much that happened <laughs> right. in that period of time that is unprecedented and unbelievable – for him, he was playing a football game, big football game, and when he gets out, he's like, do we win the game? You're like, man, first of all, they canceled the game, which has never happened. Right. <laughs> and, and then uh, everyone was so worried about you that they donated millions of dollars to your, millions to your, funda- dollars. your foundation. Yep. It's like, hey, the, but you need to get better, but I'm just going to give you, like, you know they have to kind of feed him this news very slowly right. so he doesn't, you know, you're, you can't try and get his heart rate up. Yeah, no doubt about so it. So you're trying to, you have to feed him things slowly and not go, Hey, no, no, you have been on the front page of SportsCenter, like the front page of ESPN, for three days now. Yeah, everybody so, is pulling for you. And yeah. this is one thing, too, that I, I was looking at as the nation has kind of rallied around him. Yeah, uh, Everybody, you can still see good in certain people. You can still see that people care about human life. And that, to me, is more important. Everybody could talk about, well, he's a football player, this, that, and the other. He's a human being first. And that's where we kind of have to take a step back every once in a while, especially when we're being critical of certain people and things that are happening throughout a game. Obviously, we know uh, that it's a game. They get paid a lot of money, but it's not about a lot of money. I found out that this dude has had this foundation for 14 years. He's been doing this for a (laughs) long time. Yeah. And the fact that all he's ever asked for every single year was $2,500. Now he's over this crazy amount of money, yeah. and different players are helping out, different owners are helping out. There's just so much about this that we, we, we complain about so much stuff, so much throughout the day half the time for a lot of people. We look at it right here on the Specs text line. People are complaining about certain things, but when you put it all in perspective, you start looking at it and saying, hey, man, this dude literally – literally almost lost his life on the field, and now he's holding hands, and his first thought when he came out was, hey, did we win? How's my teammates? Are they doing okay? Why am I here? I mean, I don't even know if he even asked why he's there. No, yeah, you have to have that first part where you go, hey, man, it's Wednesday. Yeah. Because when you're sitting, you don't know, you're not not thinking, you're thinking, hey, man, it's Monday night. Yeah, I'm still at the football game. I just got back from the football game. So they go, it's Wednesday. You have to process, oh, I lost two days. Yeah, between so there's just a lot that I mean, it, it, it's just great that he has been able to to make the recovery this far. Yep, that we're not having the the horrible story of of what could have been uh, if there wasn't the guys who acted in the moments they did, and uh, and I think there's a lot to be said that you know as much as people are so eager to jump on negatives of people. And when you hear a good story, somebody wants to shoot it down and push it about, make, make the story about somebody else or do this one didn't seem to go that way, which was great for, for whatever reason, this one seemed to be, people were just like, Oh no, we're cool. We're happy with this for this guy. Right. We're, we want him that we want him to recover. So that was nice to see. And everything was just a, really the sports community getting over itself for at least 24 hours before it goes back to being the sports community that we, that we get to cover all the time. Yeah, and thank you to the texter. They said the charity donations are now $7.5 million. Um, this is, this is a, one of those deals where you start to believe in the power of good people. You start to believe in the power of rallying around someone. 
and you start to believe that there are a lot of people that are out there that still have good in their heart. They didn't know this dude. They didn't know anything about him. They probably had never watched a Bills game but was watching that game, and then all of a sudden you see something happen, find out a little bit more about this player, and then you, you donate to his charity. That's, that's outstanding work, and they've done an unbelievable job. But one of the questions that everyone has been asking is, what about the game? And I know we have to talk about this. It's not the most important part of it, but everybody's trying to figure out what about this game and, and, and what's as, going on. As his condition improves, it becomes a little bit more where you go, okay, yeah, we're no we're no longer in the scariest part of this. There right. is still chances things to go bad, and we're we're but we're we're in a better place now to where we can discuss these things because they need to be discussed. And you just go, okay, let's let's make sure he's okay first. He seems to be okay. He's in very good, capable hands that we've seen. Right. So now we can move on to the matter of. Yes, we do have a football season that is wrapping up this week. And then this is why we're going to try to figure this out. So the biggest question has been what is going to happen in regards to this game? Obviously, the reason why the nation was watching that game, it was a huge game. It had a lot of implications on what's going to be next as far as the playoffs concerned. But everybody's trying to figure out if they're going to play the game, if they're going to play the game. Well, Adam Schefter has a little bit of information to find out exactly What's happening? Number one, I don't think an educated guess that they're going to wind up replaying that Bills-Bengals game from Monday night. As Mm. somebody said to me this past week, the game is bad mojo. It's time to leave it behind, move forward, not back. And I don't believe the league, under most circumstances, is going to wind up replaying that game. Now we get into the fact, okay, well, how does the league handle this? And there are many ideas that the league is kicking around, and they now can go into overdrive knowing that doctors feel encouraged about DeMar Hamlin and where he's at in his recovery a few days after the tragic circumstances of Monday night. So when we go inside headquarters at Park Avenue in New York City, let me present a couple of scenarios that I think are under consideration and discussion, and I think they're a little bit different than a lot of people would have thought. One of them comes compliments of our Matthew Hasselbeck, and I want to credit him who came up with this idea, and I'm going to read it to you because he texted it to me yesterday, and I know the league has thought about this one. He said, you call the Bengals' bills a tie. Hmm? The number one seed gets the choice of home field throughout the playoffs or the bye. The number two seed gets whatever isn't chosen. So either a buy or home field advantage. That would be one scenario that I believe the league has talked about. The other one that I think might be even more viable and more discussed and might be the one that the league enacts before Saturday's game is this. If there is an AFC championship game in the end that involves teams that don't have the same amount of games played, where Monday night's non-result factors into who gets home field advantage, here's what I think the league would do. I think the league would say, we're not going to have any home field advantage this year. We're going to play the conference championship game on a neutral site. Interesting. I think that's very interesting about the uh, the neutral site game. Uh, How do you want to go about it? 
Uh, but, Patrick, you brought this up earlier, and I think we all agreed the money as far – I mean, here we go again talking about money and what's more yeah. important. I mean, he, he, you, you, you sit here and you say, of course, you want to have the um, home game because financially that's what you play for. It, it, it's all that it's about. When you, you work hard, you want the home field advantage because you want things to go through you as opposed to having to go on the road deal with those crowds and be able to do it, you want the home field advantage, and you also want that gate money. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing is none of these teams that would be in that conversation, Buffalo, Cincinnati, or Kansas City, are major market teams Mm -hmm. where if you say, yeah, you know, major market may go, yeah, we don't necessarily need that money as much. The Super Bowl win would be more important to us than than that game's revenue. Cincinnati 100% would play the game. Right. 100% that owner wants the money. Oh, that, yeah, that's, yeah, like, that's exactly not a question. Yeah. Buffalo would probably play the game and want the money, even though they are a very beat-up team right now. They'd probably still want to play the game and get home field advantage. Kansas City is the only one because I've seen, because of their past successes, they may say, you know what, let's miss this one, we'll get the next one, and then hopefully we'll get through and, and you know, not have a – and, you know, win another Super Bowl. Right. I could see them taking that path. Uh, but, yeah, as far as Buffalo and, and – Cincinnati, I feel like both those teams would take the home game. Cincinnati, sure. of course, would because of money. Right. Cincinnati's owner is notoriously cheap, and so that's why they've Big lost, time cheap. lost all their good players yeah. in the past. Right. So uh, that one you know it would be. Buffalo, I think, would do it as well. It's just, yeah, it is crazy to me that that there's that it has to come to this stretch. Right. But, I, you know, those ideas, and the I'll tell you, the AFC Championship game being – Neutral site, that would not surprise me at all. The NFL could love it because they could put it in a building they want to put it in. You'd make, you'd and it find needs it. to be in a building that's domed. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely yes. needs to be in a building that's domed. You know Jerry Jones would be like, hey, we'll play our game, and they can come down and play yeah, the game they can here, play too. The game. That's right. <laughs> Hopefully that's we'll what have, Jerry's believing. We'll have a double header down here. That's right. That's what Jerry's probably thinking about. But when you said – but remember last this, – this season, actually, Buffalo was so snowed in that they had to go to Detroit to play the game. They had to yeah. go on the road to do that as well. So there, there is all these different scenarios that might come into play. But I was, all, I was under the impression you could call it a tie. You can do a coin flip. You can go with the winning percentages. All depends on what happens this weekend. Yeah. I guess that will be the biggest uh, point that is going to be involved. So I'm just curious to how the NFL is going to do it. Like you said, now that we have seen some positive progress with Hamlin – I think they're more inclined to start working on it because let's be honest, this is again, we were talking about this ain't in the handbook, man. This yeah, isn't something exactly. that you plan for if this happens and we have to cancel again because they haven't canceled a game. Rod went through the numbers uh, yesterday when they were talking about how games continued to go on when people were almost paralyzed. Ryan Shazier yeah. ended up going off the field halfway paralyzed and then he's now walking, but. They didn't stop the game. They got him off the field, and they continued yeah. on. But I think the biggest reason why the game was stopped is because they saw that they had to shock somebody back in, perform CPR, and get them up so they could be able to it move It was, around. and I mean, if it, it was, was Monday night, if it was Monday Night Football, if it was a 12 p.m. game, there's 50-50 chance they finish that game. Yeah. Like, be just because the NFL, the because yeah. it's not, it wouldn't be on the main screen, people yep. wouldn't see it, so it wouldn't be the national outreach that there was. Because everyone was watching this game, but yeah, I think 
the good news is for the NFL, this does get to start setting you precedents yep. that for the future you now can get, okay, this is we did this and we can get through it and the backlash won't be as bad as people think it is. And if this would have happened week four, then you're fine because you're just yep. like, hey, your bye weeks, we're going to move some stuff around and we'll put them in there, right? Yeah. But you get stuck in a place now where it's because the last week of the season, you have to make these hard decisions. But just make them. You made up the rules to begin yep, with NFL. Exactly. I, I get you change not, them as we go half the time anyway. It's not perfectly fair, but none of it's perfectly fair. Uh, the Chiefs are the only ones who could possibly be upset about this outcome yep. because they're, they're the ones that are like, hey, man, we had nothing to do with this. But I don't think Kansas City is the type of organization that is going to come out and raise any stink about it. Right. Fans may. I don't think the Kansas City Chiefs organization. Yeah. They seem to be a pretty classy organization. They seem to be handling their business the way that they should. Um, but, again, great great for DeMar Hamlin, the fact that he's able to communicate, breathing, um, being able to touch and feel family yeah. members, ask questions via writing. Neurologically, he's okay. So that is an unbelievable feat right there. Uh, one of the things that we also wanted to touch on, the uh, NFL Hall of Fame finalist. There are 28 finalists that have been announced. Obviously, we'll talk about the Cowboys and DeMarcus Ware and Darren Woodson. How do you feel like them getting in? Zach Thomas also being in this area, played for the Cowboys as well. But some of the names that we didn't touch on, because we brought up uh, Daryl Revis, Joe Thomas, and Patrick Willis, we didn't bring up Steve Smith Sr. Yeah. That, that, to me, is very, very intriguing. I mean, he played for Carolina from 2001 to 2013. Then he played for the Ravens. And he is one of the most outspoken uh, wide receivers in the game. How funny is that, me saying that somebody's outspoken at wide receiver? <laughs> but you sit there and you look at him and the way that he's, he's gone about his business in the game, I don't think people really gave him the respect. And maybe that's why he had that, that chip on his shoulder. But the fact that he's even in this conversation means that he's done a, a, a great job of understanding what this is all about. And a lot of people are saying probably not. This probably won't be his time to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. But that doesn't mean it's not worth talking about. Another person that we didn't bring up is James Harrison. James Harrison yep. is another big name uh, football player that had a lot of success in this lead, this league, and I'm just curious to, do you think he has a chance to get in there? You're looking at the linebacker position, and he and Demarcus Ware are at the same position trying to get in there. Another name that we didn't bring up was Dwight Freeney. Yep, Dwight Freeney has had a huge success in this game, but I'm just curious to, is he Hall of Fame worthy? Maybe not this time. But maybe next time. But the biggest question for me is what do you think about Andre Johnson, Darren Woodson, and, of course, DeMarcus Ware? So I, I think there's always this thing with the NFL Hall of Fame that cornerbacks and wide receivers just aren't a different – they have to be so much better to get into the Hall of Fame because the people voting feel that the game changed to help or hurt one of them. And there may not be the respect level throughout generations for those positions – Offensive linemen still help offensive linemen. Like, oh, yeah, you still went out there and played the game. The game's different, but offensive linemen will still respect offensive linemen. Defensive linemen will a lot of times still do that. But wide receivers and cornerbacks, for whatever reason, they just get disrespected a lot in those polls. And 
So for guys like Steve Smith, for guys like Torrey Holt, for guys like Andre Johnson, I'm just not sure that they're going to – if they get in, it's they're going to make them wait to get in. The thing I think with Darren Woodson, I think they're going to make him to wait to get in. I think Revis, because of some of the off-the-field stuff, that they're going to say, hey, man, you know, the old school guys didn't like the way you handled your business, so it's going to take you a while to get in. I think that, you know, and then for me the biggest one is Devin Hester. Of Devin Hester is a guy that is so unique yeah, that I feel like he belongs in there, but I'm also a more people belong in the Hall of Fame guy, which a lot of people do not agree with because they right. think it's elite. And I'm like, look, the elite is the elite. We know who they are. Yep. In basketball, you're like, well, we need to make a – you know, the the NBA Hall of Fame has too many people. And they're like, yeah, it does. But also the same fact, no one's talking about Robert Ory being a great, great. They're saying, oh, maybe Robert Ory's a Hall of Famer. We know who Michael Jordan is. Right. But the fact that we can put all of them there and you can go to the NBA Hall of Fame and see all these guys versus pretending that Devin Hester did not have a huge impact on the way teams scouted teams and the way teams uh, scouted players, and now people have brought in more and more specialists. Yep. And, I mean, for years and years it was so important to have specialists. And, you're, I mean, the, the entire special teams coaches were getting hired because they could draw up better blocking schemes. They had to make rules to get blocking right. done. Right. All of those things he helped change because he was so dynamic. Yep. So I think guys like that that changed the game a lot deserve to be in. Yeah, and the thing, too, I mean, to your point, Teams were trying to kick the ball away from him. They weren't trying to even get the yeah. ball to him. And, and he was when still they going. Did, and he was making – when you did make that mistake, and let's not forget, too, he was returning kicks when he was at Miami. Yeah. Now, he was doing that as well, and then they tried to make him that gadget player. I just feel like there's so many opportunities that guys are missing because of what you said. They feel like it's such the elite of the elite. And there it is. It's the elite of elite. And if you go back and look at some of the guys that are in there now, you believe in them. But you can't – they had a Revis Island. They, they called it Revis yeah. Island. He was – again, goes back to your point. There were schemes to stay away from him. The defense that he was on, they told him, you got all this, we'll figure everything else out over here. So I think that he deserves – to be one of those players that you look at. I think one of the things that might hurt him is he became that journeyman when bouncing from team to team, and he wasn't a rental like Deion Sanders. He was the one because he was having so many injuries at the time. But with his time with the Jets from 2007 to uh, 2012, and then what he did with the Patriots when they won the Super Bowl, he was that lockdown guy, and there hadn't been very many of Darrell Revis's since then. There's some that act like they are, but there's not a lot of them that were able to do what he was capable of doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's – I don't know what it is, but, yeah, cornerbacks and wide receivers, they just have a – it's hard for anybody to get in the Hall of Fame, but for those guys it seems like it's damn near impossible. Yeah, and another name to pay attention to as well is your man Big Big Vince Woolfolk. Him over there trying to get in there too. He's on the ballot. Um I would love to see him get in there because of his personality, the way he carries himself, and what he was able to bring in the game. And a lot of times we talk about this, man. A lot of times it's not about the tackling. It's, it's sometimes you are just taking up so much space that your linebackers are able to get to it. We talked about Casey Hampton and what he was able to do. And Sean Rogers. yeah, they were getting in the backfield, but they were also cleaning up a lot of messes for their linebackers to be able to roam from sideline to sideline. Yeah. So I think that's important, too. 
all that, man, is is going to be interesting to see who's all going to get in there. Uh, congratulations to Der- uh, Demar Hamlin being able to move around uh, and be able to, to breathe a little bit through a breathing tube, but also most importantly being able to communicate. The, they're still trying to make this decision on the Bills Bengals game. Now that we're, I don't think we're out of the trouble zone for him. But they're still trying to make these decisions because there's so much more. And then we also had the NFL Hall of Fame uh, finalists that were announced as well. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of basketball. Uh, Obviously, the biggest story coming out right now is the Chris Beard story. I want to talk about Rory Harmon and what she was able to do for the Texas Lady Longhorns. But I also want to talk Knicks beat the Spurs last night. And then we got the Houston Rockets taking on the Utah Jazz and Boston Celtics and Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. All that and more coming up right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. How well everybody's heard about the bird. Ask and you shall receive. Burr, burr, burr. The bird's a bird. Yeah, I don't uh, know any song that has bird in it more. <laughs> this is a new theme Thursday, and our theme was birds. National Bird Day is today, and so my man Patrick Davis came up with this great idea to find all the songs that had something to do with a bird. And one of the songs was Doves Cry by Prince. Yeah. And that was one of my favorite songs that you have played today and this one as well. Have you watched have you watched Purple When's the last time you watched Purple Rain? Uh, a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Yeah, I just had to make sure I've, we're I haven't been doing re- yeah, I haven't been doing a lot of my my late night <laughs> surfing to find Purple Rain, but I definitely will get it in again and check it out. Uh, our man Rod Babers is on his way to San Antonio. He's going to be part of the All-American game that will take place uh, this weekend in the Alamo Dome. Speaking of the Alamo Dome, as we talked about the San Antonio Spurs, he's going to be helping form and form the minds of some of this youth uh uh, athletic football players that are going to be playing in that game. Our man Anthony Williams has been heading that up, and he asked Rod to come down there. So along with a lot of uh, Longhorns, former Longhorn players, Oklahoma players, Texas A&M, they're getting a lot of flavor down there and getting a lot of uh, coaching uh, from those guys. And so this is a great opportunity for our man Rod Babers to see the youth and check out some of the local flavor that will be down there as well. As we When we went to break, we were talking a little bit about um, the Chris Beard story. We talked a lot about it today. Uh, we talked about it in 3 o'clock, and we talked about it in the 5 o'clock. And there's still a lot of people that are trying to figure out why did they do it, what took so long. Hey, look, man, let the – let the powers that be handle their business and make that decision, and that's exactly what they did. It came down earlier today that Chris Del Conte had uh, informed uh, Chris Beard that he was going to be relieved of his duties at the University of Texas from this day forward. He is no longer on the 40 acres, and he applauded Coach Rodney Terry and told him he was going to be the interim and they decided to move on from Chris Beard. Now, we know that there's going to be some other legal stuff that may come out after this point, but it was something that Chris Del Conte and the staff at the University of Texas felt like they needed to do and had to do. And I know some people, like I said, have hit me up and said that I can't believe it took so long or or why didn't they do it right away because they had to go through their investigation and do the things that they needed to do before they could jump to uh, the conclusion to 
relieve him of his duties, but that's exactly what they did. And now Texas needs to has to move on. And the story is Rodney Terry is going to be t- the interim coach, and the cloud of the unknown has now been relieved. And now the the players can go on and understand that Coach Terry is the head coach moving forward, and they're going to be able to make those the the right decisions going forward now. Yeah, exactly. I think this was something you had to do to you know after we saw. The last couple of games that it doesn't seem that the game planning was necessarily where it needed to be, and having a definite decision on that mm-hmm. to where the game planning can now be done in a way that you are not setting. If you want to change schemes up a little bit or do other things, you're not worried about doing it. And then Chris Beard would have come back and undo everything you did and and everything else. That is no longer an issue, so you can move ahead and try and go win some basketball games. Yeah, and that's that's where you know it. Everybody's going to have their opinion on it. We've talked about that before, and some people are going to say, well, they should have left the legal system because there's still a possibility that nothing is going to happen. Yeah, There's still that possibility, but the fact of the matter is it's, it's involved with the university. It is, a, again, a, a stain on what's been happening, and they had to make that decision, and that's exactly what they did, and we'll see how it all plays out. Um, Obviously, the legal system is going to take its place, and they're going to go through that. He still has a court date. Uh, that may change. He may not. All charges may be dropped. But as of right now, this is where they're going, and the University of Texas has relieved them of those duties. Uh, one of the things that we also wanted to talk about is your Spurs, Patrick. Basketball season is here, and we just mentioned it yesterday. We're going to start talking a little bit more basketball, and one of the teams that um, obviously – are close to home is the San Antonio Spurs. Last night, the Spurs lost to the uh, New York Knicks, seventeen. I mean, one seventeen to one fourteen. Keldon Johnson is still playing some really good basketball right now. Yeah, and I've been wanting to ask you this question, but I've been waiting for the season to get, really get going. And when the draft happened, you are not a Jeremy Sohan uh, favorite. You you do not like this guy. Yeah. Last night proved to be the reason why you didn't like this guy. <laughs> he, he played 30 minutes and had zero points, Patrick. No, he did. And, I mean, look, he's played okay. Yeah, he has. Uh, okay. yeah, and yeah, last night was an outlier that he did not play well. And uh, he got in foul trouble, which is a thing that you knew was going to be an issue with him, especially in his young career, uh, is that he has a tendency to get in foul trouble and tendency to make boneheaded plays at times. Uh, I'm still not a huge fan of him. Uh, I think he's done he's done well for the position he's been put in and got thrust into being a starter as a rookie, which is very much not the Spurs way in years past. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I'd i be fine if, if he got traded for something good. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> for now, we'll let him play basketball. Uh, Keldon Johnson, though, is, uh, you know, he's showing. And, again, this is there's always a guy on a team that doesn't have a lot of stars that's going to step up, and Keldon Johnson's been that guy. Uh, Devin Vassell was having a really good year. Uh, I believe it's getting cut short. He's having uh, knee surgery. Yep. I don't know how long. I did not see any of the posts I was reading about it where they, if they gave a timetable for his return. Uh, but I'm assuming he'll be out for a while. Uh, and then we're getting to the point of we'll see if they start to ship off some of these older guys to try and get draft picks. Uh, Jakob Pertl, 
uh, Doug McDermott, Romeo, uh, not Romeo Langford, but Josh Richardson, yep, yep. some of those names. And what's funny is you keep hearing, and you ba- guys are calling up and going, "Well, how about Malachi Brandon?" Like, man, you can't take our rookies. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, well, that's what <laughs> you're trying to Trey build. Jones? Yeah. No, no, no. You can't take our young. Stop trying to take our young guys. Yeah, yeah. Build with those guys. I like me some Trey Jones. I think he's been doing a great job. And the fact that he's getting a chance to start now at the point guard position yeah. and do a lot. Um, he's he's one of those guys that I really really enjoy checking out uh, another guy that I've been watching a little bit and I wanted to get your thoughts on this Zach Collins Zach Collins he's he's so up and down whenever he's healthy he's one of those guys that I don't want to call him a fake tough guy he tries to be tough and he yeah. tries to try try to get in there and rough it up but he still has some skills that I really enjoy watching I've, I've watched him for a long time but his biggest thing is he hadn't been healthy yeah, and I mean that's how the Spurs got him really cheap. Yeah, because he was a top pick, expected to do a lot of things. They signed him on a two-year, I believe, ten million dollar deal. Basically, is a prove-it deal, knowing that the first year he was going to miss the entire year of it, pretty much. Uh, he's been he's shown flashes, but I think this is uh, his ceiling is a lot lower than you want it to be. Yep. just because the consistency is what makes a pro a pro, and he doesn't have that right now. Uh, you will see if they do go end up moving Yaka Pertle, which is. Seems pretty likely. Yep. Just because a lot of teams are going to want him and need a center that can go immediately into a playoff push. That if they move him, then we will really get to see what Zach Collins can do because he will have to start playing some more minutes that center position. Right now, Jakob Pertl has it locked up and is playing great, so you can't take him out a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I mean, I'll say last night was an interesting game. Uh, Jalen Brunson had his uh, regular season high, big time, with 38 points. But I want to play this audio of Pop after the game <laughs> because Pop after the game did not seem very amused right. about the loss. It was a close game coming down to the final minutes, but here's Pop. Well, uh, for sure it's much more difficult to play defense these days with so many people that can shoot threes. And the quantity is massive, and they come pretty quickly. So people are going to score. That's just the way it is. So uh, averages are going to go up. Uh, Defense is very difficult to uh, you, know, you still work in, you know, on the half court defense, but in transition, uh, when people can spread the court the way NBA players can now and from the distance they shoot, it's obviously an advantage. Uh, I've said before, uh, I'm, I'm just hoping that the league ends up with a, a four point shot or a five point shot so we can make it a real circus. And it'll be a different sport. It won't even be basketball. It'll just be a bunch of crap. <laughs> Pop Pop is not liking the lack of fundamentals and the purity well, of running plays and, and being able to do it. What's funny about it is the Spurs outshot the Knicks in that game. They just didn't rebound the ball well, and so the Knicks got more shots up. But they out yeah. the percentage wise, the Spurs shot better in that game. But yeah, you saw it, and you can tell this has been a plea for a lot of basketball fans that are more old school fans to be like, man. Uh, you got to get back to a little bit more. You got to let people play some defense on the side. And when you watch games, and I watch a lot of basketball, it can be frustrating to watch somebody go every single time he goes to the basket, pull up like he got fouled, and then come down on the other end and foul a guy and go, "What? I barely said." You're like, "Man, this is the game has to be played both ways of the court." Yeah, you can't get mad on both ways. I, I think if they were allowed a little bit more bumping on the outside, it would definitely shore the game back up a little bit that you get more guys that are more well-rounded players. I don't know if that's what the NBA wants. I think they call they want that in the playoffs for sure because yeah. they do call it a little bit looser, and you see that where it weeds out those teams. 
that just have shooters that can't do anything else. So there used to be a lot of three and D guys, right? That was the mm-hmm. three and D, and now there's just three guys. <laughs> just, yeah, what they do. Yeah. They're like, do they play defense? Like, no, we have to hide them on defense, and they just do. Like, well, that's that didn't used to be a job in the NBA, yeah. but now it is. It's it's a thing that it will never win you championships. Like we've seen teams that are like that. And Steph Curry doesn't count because Steph Curry is yeah, he's a different. next level. Yeah, he's di- he, he's him's, next level. Him's different. <laughs> but yeah. if you look at just the regular guys who are just three point shooters, those teams do well in the regular season. They tend to falter because you get hot and you get cold. Yep. But yeah, it's it's funny to see Pop. You can tell was not having fun at the end of that game last night. <laughs> yeah, and, and and again they were right there in the game too. They were right there, which is the what you want from this team. Yeah. That's what I'm funny because Rod asked me earlier in the year. I came back in, the Spurs lost by like 40-something points, and he was like, I thought you wanted to lose. I'm like, I do want them to lose, but I want them to be competitive. Yeah, you want to see improvement. I want to see fight, and yes. I want to see improvement out of them. Yep. I don't want to see them get blown out by 50 points right? because then that means either we're really bad and it don't matter. We get the next three number one picks and it don't matter. <laughs> right. Because that's like the Rockets. The Rockets now have got two top picks, and they're still being bad. Yeah, speaking of the Rockets, tonight the Rockets, take, uh, they host the Utah Jazz. That game will be tipping off as we end our show. And then later tonight, you uh, are looking at the L.A. Clippers and the Denver uh, Nuggets. But the Boston Celtics are taking on the Dallas Mavericks in Dallas right now. It is six minutes left in the first quarter. Take a wild guess at what the score is right now. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Nine to seven. They are halfway through the first quarter, and it's nine to seven. This is a Celtics team that gave up 150 the other night. <laughs> yes, and scored 100 and what, 13 as well? Ooh. So they're sitting there, and it, it is a very slow pace. Well, it's 10 9 now, the Celtics, but it is a very, very Slow paced yeah. and poor shooting. One game for to- five, Luca. Not a good start, man. <laughs> Come on, Luca. But you know he's going to try to light it up here shortly. So it's a big night around the NBA. NBA season is, is right upon us. Uh, like I said, the Clippers and the Nuggets play tonight. The Nuggets are 24 and 13, and the, uh, the LA Clippers with Kawhi, who's been playing a lot more lately, are 21 and 18. So NBA is upon us. We still got football action that's going to be going on. And when we return, we're going to let you know what's on tap for the rest of the night. Pop a top again. You mind if I have some of your tasty beverage to wash? Oh, yeah. yeah. I've been known to drink a beer or two. I think a man working outdoors feels more like a man if you can have a bottle of suds. It's only my opinion. Sir. I got beer. I got bottled breast milk. Eh, why don't we start with the beer? Okay. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Wait, it's already 5 o'clock here. It's time for What's on Tap. How about a nice cool drink? That's oh, really man, good. That's good. That's that is... Pop a top again. Before we get out of here, we wanted to let you know we got What's on Tap tonight, but I want to give a shout-out to... Rory Harmon and the women's basketball team, Vic Schaefer and his crew, went up to TCU last night with an 81-69 victory. Victory, excuse me. The sophomore All-American Rory Harmon became only the fourth player in Texas women's basketball history to record a triple-double when she had 17, 11, and 10. 11 assists and 10 rebounds. The one thing about it in her being able to get this triple-double, you start thinking about what the team was when she was out 
and where they are now. They're eleven and four as a team and two and zero in conference play, and they've done an unbelievable job. And Coach Vic Schaefer also also told us that that once she came back, he thought their team was going to be a lot different, and that's exactly what they have become. And one of the things too, we want to give a special shout out to uh, uh, Hamlin and his family. They are are he's progressing greatly right now and they're hoping that he can continue to have that road to recovery and he's doing a great job and he's been able to communicate with everyone shout out to uc uh, medical center up there in cincinnati uh, level one trauma center it has been an unbelievable job i want to give a shout out to lifetime longhorn kirk dressendorfer as he came on with us to talk a little bit about the life of Coach Gustafson. I will have another special guest tomorrow to talk about Coach Gustafson, somebody that played for Coach Gus at high school and played for Coach Gus right here at the University of Texas. So if anybody knows Coach Gus, it'll be this man. I'm not going to give you his name because i got to confirm it, but uh, that is what I'm going to be working on tonight and tomorrow. Patrick, what you got going on? Uh, I'm going to catch the end of this Purdue-Ohio State game. Uh, Purdue lost earlier this week, number one in the country. They are now down three at halftime to Ohio State. See if the number one team in the country for basketball can lose twice in a week. What? That is not what they expected. I'm going to go home and probably do the same thing. I'm going to catch up on some NBA basketball. Still checking out some uh, college baseball as well. I'm looking at some of the stuff. Make sure you go over to D1Baseball.com. That's where you can get prepared for the baseball season. They got a lot of great information. Just remember this. Don't believe everything you see because even salt looks like sugar. Peace!